Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you and uh, to be with you. If this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. My name is Pastor Josh. My wife, Brittany, and I serve the great privilege of being the pastors here at Greenville First. And, uh, and so if it's your first time, been a long time, we're just grateful you're here today and uh, to be with us. Um, before we hop in today, um, I missed this last service because I was just so excited to hop in. But um, I need to introduce you, if this has been a while, uh, officially introduce our new worship pastor, Pastor Will Somerville. I know Pastor Stephen got the honor of introducing him a little bit last week, but uh, I can just tell you, um, we prayed long and hard for who God was sending our way, and uh, he is an answer to prayer. Uh, So much so, he was supposed to move in this week, but we didn't have anybody playing drums last week, so he came in a whole week early just to play drums uh, to get started, and he is just so excited to be part of the team and feels like he's already been here, and uh, he's part of the family. So, uh, Thank you for welcoming him in a great way. You know, last week, um, Pastor Stephen uh, did an incredible job because we're in our, our season of prayer here as a church. So today is technically day eight in our 14 days of prayer as we are gearing back for the fall. And uh, last week, Pastor Stephen talked about how Jesus has provided this model for prayer and how we can use the Lord's prayer as a model for our prayer life. And it was An incredible message, and I I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, if you missed it, go back and watch it, because I think all of us, there's not a single one of us in here that cannot improve and take steps in our prayer life. And so for us just to continue to walk, why do we carve out time as a church? Because I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss his voice. I don't want to miss what he's leading and speaking for us. And so we carve out time is a reset twice a year, January, and then again in August. We carve out specific time just to say, God, we're we're going to consecrate this time. We're gonna we're gonna pray more. We're gonna pray together in small groups, and we're gonna pray corporately as a church. And so every now and again, we'll do a series on prayer while we're while we're also going through our time of prayer. And um, and so today we're gonna continue in that series talking about prayer. And uh, the title of my message today is just God of Miracles. But I, I feel like I need to give you a little bit of background of why we landed here because here's what I know every Sunday morning when we begin to talk and we have our time of worship or time of the message or time of response, I know that in this room, regardless of how many show up or how few, there is different backgrounds that are represented here. Some of you walk in, you've had no church background. So when we use churchy words, you're like, I got no clue what they're talking about right now, but I'm supposed to be here. Others, you come from different denominations or backgrounds. We've all got our preconceived ideas of what church should look like and how church should function. And that's what's beautiful is that we're all not hands or all not feet or all not legs in the body of Christ. And I actually believe that the differences that we all bring to the table actually make us into a more beautiful picture of what God intends. But I also know this is when we bring preconceived ideas into the church and then pastor starts talking about, hey, we're going to pray for miracles today. 
Can I just be honest? As a church kid, my, my defense mechanisms come up and my antennas go crazy. Like, God, what is, is this going to get weird today? I mean, I, I, I have just had those moments. God, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I didn't bring my friend today because this could be weird. But can I tell you, I, I just want to touch on what the definition of a miracle is because I think it gives us kind of a reset. It's an event which may seem contrary to nature and which signifies an act in which God reveals himself to man. It's not man's doing, it's not man's power, it's not man's manipulation. It is God's power at work against what nature would do itself so that God may reveal himself to mankind. So when we pray for miracles, we're praying and believing that God is revealing himself to us in our situations. Now here's what I love about this definition as well, is it kind of trumps the idea that every miracle is just a physical healing. So if your marriage has been on the rocks and God's restored it, that's contrary to what nature would allow to take place in your home. You've experienced a miracle. When you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills or where the next job was going to come from, and all of a sudden the door, the right and perfect door opened, Contrary to what nature would do, God revealed himself to you and he provided you've experienced a miracle. So church, when we talk about miracles, we don't have to get weird about it. Because God is at work providing miracles in and through our lives each and every day as he reveals himself to us. But here's what I know. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of questions when it comes to us praying for miracles. There's hurdles that we go through. See, some of us, we've prayed for things for so long, and we haven't seen it happen. And so all of a sudden, we've, we've turned our focus to doubt and fear and anxiety versus God who can resolve and work in and through us. We can become insecure about our prayer life because we don't feel like our prayers measure up. You know one of the reasons, and if you're new today, you, you may not understand fully this context, but during our time of prayer, we encourage people in the church to form small groups to pray together. Do you know why we intentionally do this? Because most of us in the room are real insecure about our prayer life. The only way we're gonna break through those insecurities is when we join together to realize we've all got a lot of room to grow in our time with God. And so we have hurdles in our life, but I don't want to miss God's voice. And the only way I can hear God's voice is when I spend time in prayer, and that's conversation. So it's not just always me speaking. It's also me listening and learning that rhythm. But today we're praying for miracles felt strongly a couple of weeks ago that Brittany and I were sitting in a service and it was called a night of miracles and I'll be honest with you I didn't want to go to church that night we were we were away at our at our biannual gathering of pastors for the assemblies of God and and I saw it and and it's not that I've just been in all these weird healing services in my life. I haven't. But there's just something in me that's like, I don't want to sit there and judge and criticize the service the entire time. So I would just rather not go. 
That's how I avoid things. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak and say, you're supposed to be there tonight. Brittany and I aren't praying for a specific miracle in our life. There's, we don't have this laundry list of where God's like, hey, are you going to trust me with all those, all those things that you've been praying for? Now's your time. It wasn't anything like that. I just felt we were supposed to be there. So we gathered the, the boys, four and six, and we take off the church. And we're standing there as they're praying for people. And I'm holding Jensen, our four-year-old, and tears just begin to stream down my face. He said, Dad, why are your eyes watering so much? I'm like, son, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) But here's what the Holy Spirit was checking in me. How dare you doubt and question my ability to move in spite of man? Because here's what happens when I allow doubt to creep in, when I allow fear to creep in of what, what, how will the church respond if we pray for miracles on a Sunday morning? It's God revealing himself to us. So I've got to trust God. And how dare I put up a defense mechanism that would keep his people from experiencing him in their lives. But I say all that because it's hard sometimes as a pastor to take a step of faith. It's a lot easier for me to tell you to take a step of faith than it is for me to say, God, I trust you. This is your church anyways. You're building it. You're gathering people. You're calling people. You're redeeming people. It has nothing to do with us. So, God, I just want to say yes and participate. So I want to, I want to turn our attention this morning just for a moment because today is going to look a little different because we are. We've, we've got our prayer team ready and prayed up, and we're praying and believing for miracles today. But I want to turn your attention to Scripture because we're just we're going to highlight a few things that I believe God wants to speak to us before we get to that moment of prayer. And we're going to be in Luke 18, 35 through 43, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And it says this, As Jesus and his followers arrived at Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. When he heard the crowd approaching, he asked, What's all this commotion about? Now, just to give you some context, this, at this point, Jesus would have been making his way to Jericho and on to Jerusalem to give his life as the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. So it's very possible, even probable, that at this time, there were masses that were traveling with Jesus as he was about to have this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, I would imagine that this blind beggar had been in the same place for a long time, but something was different about the sound that day. And he may not have been able to see, but he could hear. And in verse 37, it says, it's Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. And the blind beggar shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity and show me mercy. Those in front of the crowd, they scolded him and warned him to be quiet. But the blind beggar screamed out even louder. Jesus, son of David, show me mercy. And suddenly Jesus stopped and directed those nearby, bring the man over to me. And when they brought him before Jesus, he asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? What a question. There's no one else 
in the universe, in the past, present, or future that can bring as much hope as Jesus does with this question. What do you want me to do for you? Master, he said, please, I want to see. And Jesus said, now you will see. Receive your sight this moment, for your faith in me has given you sight and new life. And instantly he could see again. His eyes popped open and he saw Jesus standing in front of him and he shouted loud praises to God and he followed Jesus. Let this be our response when we see the movement and the activity of God in our life. Because I don't know how much scripture you've read, and if you've never cracked your Bible, it's okay, because I'm going to tell you something. There's accounts in scripture of miracles taking place of where nine of the ten lepers didn't even come back to say thank you for their miracle. Let this be a model in our response that when we see Jesus at work in us, even when maybe we're not aware of the activity, let us pursue and follow him said, and when the crowd saw what happened, they too erupted with shouts of praise to God. Now, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus, and I believe that it gives us a a framework, a picture of how we should live our lives and posture to trusting God for miracles. And the first is this, approach Jesus with our problem. See, verse 41, Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, please, I want to see. But here's the problem. There's some of us in the room that I believe Jesus has been asking us this question. His Holy Spirit has been asking, son, daughter, what do you want me to do for you? Yet we've been trapped in our blindness so long and so accustomed to the darkness that we don't know how to truthfully respond. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe it's in our marriage. Maybe it's in our health. Whatever our problem is, if we're not careful. See, this blind man, he had no vision. But he knew who could resolve that. We can get so stuck in our own blindness And you may ask, well, Pastor, why did Jesus ask this question? I don't know. If I was standing there, I'd probably wondered, Jesus, can't you see he's blind? (laughs) Like, can't you see what he needs from you right now? But here's what happens when Jesus asks this question and we respond and actually bring our problems to him, is we are confessing with our mouth that we trust that he can do something about it. Because here's what happens. If I just tell you about my problems, I'm griping. But if I tell you about my problems because you can resolve and do something about it, I trust that you can be a part of the solution. Here's where we miss it in our blindness is we keep our mouth shut because we just think that this is the normal that God wants for us to experience. But he's just waiting for us to approach him with our issues and our problems to trust him and say, God, I know that you can do something about my circumstance. I know that it may be countercultural to what nature and society would say, but I trust you, God. See, the blind man yelled louder when the crowds told him to hush because he knew that Jesus could do something about his circumstance. 
Second thing is this, is that we have to pray for Jesus to step in. So we approach Jesus with our problems, and then we pray for him to step in. Verse 38, the blind beggar, he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me and show me mercy. There is power in the blind man's call for Jesus to intervene. It's not just approaching, it's the prayer. It's working hand in hand. It's saying, God, I'm going to posture myself. I'm coming to you with my problem, and now I'm confessing. This is the second piece of this, that I'm going to pray. Even when everybody around me is telling me to stop, even when every statistic is telling me it's hopeless, even when I have been in this circumstance, in this situation, it's been so heavy, I don't even remember what it's like to feel free or feel loose or feel whole. But we can continue to pray for Jesus to step in. This blind man didn't stop when everybody else told him to. He didn't get quiet when everything said for him to get quiet. He shouted even louder. So I think for some of us, maybe God is waiting for us to get to that desperate place to get a little louder. And I'm not talking about volume. I don't, I don't feel like it's like a magic, hey, if you've been praying like this, maybe if you just raise your voice, he'll hear you. No, our God hears you. Our God sees you. Our God knows what's going on in your life. But the blind man had to continue to press in and pray and trust Jesus. But I want to give you some clarity here because I think sometimes we can get this wrong when we hear Scripture ask and it'll be given. And so we just think that, that prayer is just this transaction. But 1 John 5, 14 and 15 actually gives us some clarity. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Can I tell you that God's will for your life is not for you to live in brokenness? God's will for your life is for you to not, it's not for you to live unfulfilled. It's not for your relationships to be in turmoil. It's not for you to struggle and live in this place of fear and anxiety. God's will is for you to be healed and whole. Now, that healing and wholeness may look different than how we've scripted it, but it does not change his will and plan for your life. I love what one author said. He, he wrote this. He said, this is what we must keep in mind. Prayer is a relational interaction, not merely a service transaction. Faith is not divine currency that we pay God in order to receive whatever we ask in prayer. Faith is a relational response of trust in what God promises us. Faith says to God, I trust what you say so much that I will live by what you say. There's no human interaction and relationship we have that is in lack of communication or, or that communication is not an essence of that relationship. And if you don't believe me, get married one day and try to not communicate. Married people thought that was funny. But here's what I know about communication. It can be confusing sometimes. It can be frustrating. It's a learning and a growth process. But when we press into communication, we begin to discover depths 
of the other side of that relationship that we can't discover without communication. So when we look at our earthly relationships, we can start to discover the dreams, the passions, the buttons that you can push. <laughs> the same thing with God. When we spend time in prayer, it's not a, it's not a transaction, it's a relational interaction that we begin to walk and discover who God is in his will and purpose and plan for our life. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus tells his disciples to pray and don't give up. Because I think he knows that we're tempted to give up by what seems like unanswered prayer. Because we may have small faith and Jesus knows this and Jesus wants to grow our faith. So approach Jesus with your problems. Pray for Jesus to step in. And then lastly, we praise Jesus even when we can't see the answer yet. I'm going to say it again. Praise Jesus even when we can't see the answer yet. He could not see, but he could shout. Everyone around him is trying to keep him quiet. And what's he saying? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, hush, be quiet. Don't you know what you're... Jesus, I'm going to get louder because I'm going to be louder than all the naysayers and all the negative and all the reports and all the problems and all the circumstances because I know that Jesus can heal me. So I'm going to continue to praise him. I'm going to continue to declare. You see, what you may not understand here is when he says son of David, he's recognizing that Jesus is the king. He is saying with his mouth before he received his miracle that I'll praise you. See, so many times we want to wait until we have our miracle to recognize God's been trying to reveal himself to you, son or daughter, for way longer. And maybe it's going to take you approaching him and just trusting him. Maybe it's going to take you to continue to press in in prayer. Maybe it's going to take you continuing to praise even before you see your miracle. But then the greatest miracle happens. The miracle didn't stop when he received his sight. It continued when he chose to receive new life and follow Jesus. I love that scripture doesn't just say blind Bartimaeus, he is healed and he could see for the rest of his life. No, it's careful to say Jesus' response to him, you not only receive your sight, but you receive new life. And what did he do with it? He praised him, he shouted, and he followed him. Yeah, we missed that. We can't get into this, this trap of just coming to Jesus when we've got needs and, and thinking it's all about the transactions. It's about the relationship. We can't give anything else our praise other than our Savior who can bring the miracle, who can rescue us, who's redeemed us. Hold on. Now, I want to tell you something. That this story starts and it says that Jesus passed by. And I think for some of us in our life, we feel like that's the story that Jesus has passed us by. That he keeps just, he's passing by and he's on to somebody else. We fooled ourselves into thinking that he doesn't want to bring a miracle to our life or who are we to be healed or who are we to see our, our marriage restored or who, are, who am I to, to be the receiver. I've disqualified myself. Jesus is on to the next. But can I tell you, this is the capture of God in humanity. 
But Jesus also said, I'm leaving so one greater than I can come. Because Jesus in the flesh could not be in all places at once. But his spirit can. So can I tell you, Jesus isn't passing you by today. He's with us. We don't have to invite Jesus to come to church because his spirit is with us. His spirit's everywhere we go. It's in our home. It's in our workplace. It's on the school bus with our kids. The Holy Spirit is with us. We have to be open to the movement of his spirit. His spirit's not passing you by because of anything you've done. It just may be time to shout a little louder, to say, God, I've finally reached my desperate place to trust you. I'm tired of trying to fix this myself. I'm, tried, I'm, I'm tired of, of living in this hole that I've dug or somebody else has dug by diagnosis. I'm going to trust you. And we see the miracles take place. Because the miracle is when things begin to change that's not in the natural. So you know what? The greatest miracle of any of our lives is when we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God could never do another thing and he's already done enough because I don't have to be separated from him. But today, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come forward because this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for miracles. So many times, we, we fill our service with so much stuff. I talk so much and we sing so many songs and we got so many things that we, we miss it sometimes of what God's trying to do, wants to do, in and through our life. Now we're going to have three focuses this morning. And I'm going to, I'm going to make the call each one just because here's why we're doing this. Because we're praying for health. Some of our prayer team may have health things and they want to get prayed for too. So we're going to give them time to be prayed for. So health is our first one we're praying for. Miracles, healings. Okay? And it's not health, it's healings. I don't know why I said health, but health could be your healing. It could also be a relational healing. It could be some emotional healing. Whatever that healing is, we're going to pray and believe. Because our faith joined together is much more than our faith by ourselves. God's here. God's working. Let his will be done in healing our lives. The second thing we're going to pray for today is lost sons and daughters to come home. Now, I just want to be, I, I just want to, I want to I speak to this for a second. This could be some family things that are going on. This could be salvation of family members. This could be salvation of friends, extended family, parents. But this is for lost sons and daughters to come home. And the last is we're going to pray against heaviness. Your life has just become heavy. There's so many things that could be creating that stress, anxiety, fear, whatever. I'm not here to say, do you qualify to come down for prayer yet? Check. No, it's not like that. We just want, we're carving out some specific times so people know what they're praying for. You may come all three times. Praise God. Let him be at work in miracles all over your life because we're trusting and believing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then I'm going to invite everybody to stand. We're going to worship together while people are receiving prayer. Because we know God was already at work. I'm telling you, people were telling me after service, they said, Pastor, I wasn't prepared. you gotta, you got to warn me. I'll bring some backup makeup in my purse next time. 
Because there's just something about when we take those steps of faith and trust God of what He begins to do in us. Changes us. God, we just come to you right now. God, open-handed. This isn't about us as pastors, as leaders, prayer team members. This isn't about our church. This is about you. God, we pray right now that as you work in our lives, that it would be a greater revelation of who you are to us and to the world. So God, we do. We pray with expectant hearts. We've been praying. God, not because we doubt if you'll move. We know you're moving. But God, let us just be a apart. Let us let us see the healings. Let us let us see the miracles of sons and daughters coming home that nature and the world would say could never happen, but with you it's possible. God, we speak against the heaviness of this world right now. God, let us see wholeness take place. We thank you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship. If you need prayer for healing this morning, I'm going to invite you. Come on down.